Hey guys, and welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with my high school classmates from Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. I want to thank everyone for listening to the last episode with Alea. A lot of feedback from a lot of listeners, uh, some people who agreed, some people who disagreed, uh, but that's what's really cool about the show. I think conversation is super important. And I've really enjoyed just the dialogue back and forth that I've had with people on social media and even in person. I've run into some classmates recently and uh, everyone's kind of had an opinion about some of the things that we talked about. And so if, uh, you know, you're someone that's listened to the show and you had a point of view, you had a thought, um, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. That is why I give the social media again. We weren't friends in high school is the Instagram, no apostrophe in the name. WWF in high school is the Twitter. And you can find me at Redshirt Playa everywhere, Instagram, Twitter. You can find it on Facebook. Um, so don't hesitate to reach out and talk. And if you see me in the streets, as uh, some people have le- recently, um, I love talking about this stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm just glad that everyone is enjoying. Uh, so let's look at this week's episode. Um Today, I have an interview with Jason Herb. Jason is someone, just I guess a little bit of a backstory. While we weren't friends in high school, uh, we were actually a little bit of friends after high school. In college, Jason and I um, ended up kind of having a a mutual group of friends uh, that stemmed from a really great group of of guys that I hung out with when I worked at Wawa for a whole bunch of years. Uh, They were a little bit older than me. Um, but they lived in the area and we all kind of hung out. Uh, it was about four of us and, um, Jason had a friend, Alex, who worked at the store. Some of you may remember Alex from, uh, was it Higgin days and Alex came to work at the store and that kind of combined the crews and Jason was a part of that. And Jason's going to, you know, name drop a, a few different people who kind of hung out in that crew. But after kind of our, our 21s or 22s and we were you know hanging out, drinking, having fun, I kind of lost track of Jason. Um, I moved to Philadelphia and eventually off to other places. And um, I assume Jason did the same. And I just really never caught back up with Jason. We then kind of reconnected on Facebook a few years ago uh, through music and talking about hip hop. And we'll talk about that on this show. But I never knew really what happened in the in-between years. And, you know, Jason's going to kind of tell us what happened. And I'll be honest, I was pretty surprised. I didn't exactly, uh, I definitely didn't expect it, but I didn't even know where to go with the interview uh, once we kind of started getting into the meat of the conversation. Uh, so I hope you guys, um, enjoy the conversation. I hope you guys, uh, learn a little bit about it. And, um, yeah, I got to thank Jason for just having a, a really extremely open and honest conversation and sharing so much, uh, personal information, personal details, uh, about his life and, and what's been going on for, uh, really, I guess like the last, you know, 10 to 15 years. And one last note, this is the third interview that I traveled for. I mentioned with Danielle and Alea, I went to their places and did those interviews. With this, I traveled up to Clark Summit, a little town out near Scranton. And Jason and I met at a coffee shop. So there might be a little bit of music in the background. 
And uh, from time to time, you might hear some people walking by or talking and uh, some coffee beans being grinded up from time to time. But um, I was still happy with how this interview came out. And it was a really cool coffee shop, Duffy's. Check it out if you're up that way. Uh, so here we go. Jason Herb. That was like when I was first turning, when I first turned 21, I feel like. Yeah. So that makes that, sense. That was, yeah. So I was trying it to was think. right around that age. Because I, I stopped going to LaSalle when I was 23. So, because I, I went to school up here. That's why I live here. Oh, what school was that? Keystone College, which okay. is uh, maybe like 10 miles from where we are now. Okay. It's a little shit school in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's one of the only schools that accepted me out of really? Wissahickon. Yeah. Little known secret, my SAT scores were horrible. Yeah, I did terrible in the SATs. Me too. Uh, I don't want to say the number. I, I hid it from a lot of people. But therefore, one of the only schools that accept me, and I only applied to maybe like three or four schools. Um, I wasn't really like, I, I personally didn't even want to go to college. I had no idea what I wanted to do. But my my dad was like, no, you're going. You have to get an education. Please at least go try it. You know, I'm like, all right. So I just like half ass applied to a couple schools. Keystone College came to our cafeteria at Wizzahicken at one of those School like. Fair. Yeah. And I just like happened to put in an application. I'm not sure why. And I got accepted. And I mean, they'll like accept anybody, really. You know, <laughs> it's not a terrible school. It's actually like a really nice school. But I guess because of its location and it. Back then, it was a junior college status. Okay. Now, I think it's fully accredited. But okay, um, so I'm like, all right, I guess I'm moving up to the mountains, you know. <laughs> so I came up here for two years, and then after two years, I transferred down to LaSalle okay. and finished school down there. But uh, and that's when I started running into you again. That yeah, that's when I came back. So I was up here from like 2001 to 2003. Okay, but you know, I was home for like holidays and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's where that's where I met my wife at that school. And that's why I live back up you here now back here, because she she's, stayed. she's from this area. OK, she well, she's from a town called Tunkhannock, which is about 25 miles north of here. Mm -hmm. It's an even smaller town than Clark Summit, where we are now, by the way. Yeah. Beautiful. In case nobody Duffies. knew. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for the accommodations. But uh, yeah, we're we're. Uh, we're living, like I said, about 10 miles from here. It's, it's still technically Clark Summit, but it's like on the line with another small town. Okay. You drive out and the stores start getting less and less. The houses are farther apart. It's not really where I thought I would end up because I've always been like such a city fool. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I loved being in Philly. Um, like Alex and Christian were down in South Philly. They were like, I think they were on 12th Street. Okay. Like right near Pats and Geno's, mm -hmm. I remember we could walk there. I'm gonna say 12th and Dickinson. So I was always like crashing on their couch and stuff. And I was, like I said, I was commuting to LaSalle. So like I would take the subway over sometimes. And I always thought, you know, I'd just stay down there. Yeah. Cause I love Philly or at least like in the Ambler area. Mm -hmm. Easy to get to. But, you know, love makes you do crazy things. Yeah. Man. So now I'm living in the country. Wow. <laughs> Here I am. Wow. But I mean, it, and it worked out good because. Obviously, it's a lot cheaper to live up here mm -hmm. than it is in the city. What's gas like? So up it's here? a lot more affordable. Yeah. What's gas like I, up here? I couldn't tell you. I really don't pay attention. <laughs> it's that good. It's that good. I you just, I just fill it up. You know. Just give me back how much you think I deserve. Yeah, that's fine. 
So you've, uh, how long you've been up here then? I moved up here in 2007. Okay. Wow. So about 12 years, 12 yeah. years you've been here. Yeah. We did a, uh, like a long distance thing for mm. a while. Like she would come down to Ambler for a weekend. The next weekend I would come up here. And then when it started getting serious, we were talking about moving in together. And at that time we were very poor cause we were like right out of college. Sure. So there's no way we could get an apartment in the burbs yeah. or the city. So she's like, why don't you move up here? My mom said you could, we could stay in the basement until we find a place. And uh, like the basement was all right. It had, it had like, you know, it was like a separate living space, mm-hmm. but it was still privacy. awkward to live with her family. Yeah. But eventually, you know, like I found a job up here. I started saving money. We got our own house and you know, the rest life. is uh, life. And we got married in 2009. That's so adult. So uh, my actually, we just celebrated 10 years together june 6th i want to get that congratulations yeah june 6th so yeah that's so grown up you're so dude it's weird grown it's weird i didn't plan for any of this yeah life just kind of happens i guess you know the weird thing is am i rambling on too much all right no this is what it is man (laughs) we take we take uh the The more talking the more stuff pops in my head yeah the The weird thing is when i was up here originally to go to keystone she lived across the hall from me yeah and uh she was just like some hot girl that lived over there. I didn't really know who she was. I kind of got to know her, but I started seeing a girl there and that turned into like a long-term relationship. Oh, wow. Like we dated for like two years. Yeah. She actually went to University of the Arts when I went to LaSalle. We both went back to Philly back together. Philly. Okay. And uh, a lot of people, like my mom was like, oh, you're probably gonna marry that girl, mm. whatever. Turns out, no, it was that cute girl across the hall, unassuming the whole time that I was supposed to be with and didn't know. We were friends, that was it. We, we ran in the same circle. We'd see each other around. We'd like hang out and drink together, but nothing ever romantic happened until after I moved back to Philly. One story just, to another greater, to a greater story. I guess so. Yeah. And I don't really know how it happened. We just, we, we always stayed in touch, you know? She yeah. would like text me or call me and be like, hey, how's life going, mm-hmm. you know? And I think from there it was just like, uh she was single i was single which didn't happen to be at the same time very often she was in a string of relationships so was i Mm -hmm. some good some bad we were both single and she's like so when are you gonna come out come up here and take me out to dinner i'm like really okay i mean we could try that Mm -hmm. it's a little weird Mm -hmm. (laughs) because we we were honestly just like really good two hour drive but well i mean i would come up here anyway to visit friends some people that i i knew so like i Never really left the area, I guess, in a way. But it, it was awkward for a while. And then yeah. it, obviously it blossomed into to this, yeah. which is crazy. So That's awesome. Yeah, that's life. That's so man. great. So I disappeared. I kind of like went off the grid. I just been hiding up here in the mountains until you hunted me down. You're not, you're you not, know, <laughs> you're not, I came out with my uh, with my flannel jacket and my hat looking yep. for looking for herb. That's right. No, I, ne- I never got into hunting or anything like that. A lot of people up here do, but. Jason, you, can't, you can't take it out of me. First important question. Is it Jason Herb or is it Jason Herb? You don't know this? 
I feel like you've it's known herb. me forever. I feel like it's herb. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I feel like um. Uh, so when I when I the talk H to is Mike, not silent. The H is not silent. When I talk to Mike, the first thing I do is I go Mike Clyburn, and he goes Clyburn, oh, Clyburn, yeah, yeah. and I feel like that happens to him all the time. But I feel like I think it does. He's always been Clyburn in my head. Kind. Well, of. I just I always called him just Burn. Burn. Take the Cly right out of it. Yeah, that's here easy. comes Burn again. Burns, my guy. Being up here, yeah, um, it's pretty interesting just because. A lot of people I've talked to are um, are still in the area. Right. Um, what's that like growing up with kind of the same people for 20 years? Yeah. And then really removing yourself, not even from the people, but the events that are happening, right? Fourth of, like, I don't live in the area, but 4th of July fireworks, it was a hick in. Like, oh, yeah. I know I can All pop the in there. And things. Yeah, what's yeah. that like? It's different. It's not like I moved across the country, you know? Like, there's people we went to school with that I'm sure we're both friends with on Facebook that are like, they're in California, mm -hmm. they're in other countries, they're all over the place. So it's not like I, I moved far, I moved like two hours north, yeah. still in Pennsylvania, but it's a different territory up here, you know? It's a mm -hmm. different landscape, the people are different. And like I said, I've been up here since 2007 and I'm still not fully used to it, to be honest with you. Really? There's times where like, I'll wake up, I'll see mountains outside the window and it's still, is shocking to me, you know? Like, cause you expect to see buildings and stuff. Yeah. And even though I lived up here a while, I'm like, Jesus Christ, I live in the mountains, it's beautiful up here. Mm -hmm. It never stops being beautiful. Maybe that's a good thing. That is a good thing. But uh, yeah, it's different. It, it, it definitely took me a while to get used to. I'm still kind of getting used to it. Yeah. I, I miss I miss it, dude. Like, dude. I miss Ambler all the time. Did you grow up in Ambler? Yeah. 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 Where'd you start at? Did you start at, at Madison? No. Um, cause I feel like I know you from, Shady Grove, fifth grade. Well, yeah, I went to Shady Mrs. Grove. I went to Bluebell for a year oh. and then transferred to Shady Grove first through fifth. Okay. I went to kindergarten at Bluebell. Okay. I'm not sure why, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, that's, that's odd. That's my parents' deal, I guess. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Did, did, we have, did we have Mrs. Rowe, fifth grade? No, you did, I remember. Oh, you didn't. I had um, Mr. Sandow. Oh, Mr. Sandow. So I was Sandow. right across the hall from you. Yeah, so Mr. Sandow. Yeah. Sandow. 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 Sandow, yeah. Um, Looked like Super Mario. Yes. Good guy. He's a guy that Good will guy. come up at least once a year just in conversation with whomever. You're anytime, kidding me. No, anytime I talk about like Super Mario. He's got to be retired now, I'm sure. I'm sure I have no is. idea what happened. I'm sure him. he is. But he's just that guy that I remember as far as yeah. teachers ago. Man, we used to have his teacher. Well, I remember Mrs. Like Rowe. Mr. Yeah. But I can't tell you anybody else in that corridor at the moment. We had Mr. Payne, who was brand new. Couldn't tell and you. there was one Eric more. and Becky's dad, Mr. Payne, right? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I, I think so. Okay. That's they lived around the corner from me in Ambler. That makes sense because Becky's a teacher. Yeah, I grew up with them. We used to play in the backyard and stuff. And okay. Mr. Payne would yell at me for like cursing all the time and stuff. I remember he, <laughs> as uh, a kid. <laughs> I feel like he led the, the chicken hatching. Was that project. him? Yeah, I feel like that was his thing. Maybe. Yeah. We did it in Sando's class. Yeah. I don't know if. If we did Sando just went along with it. Yeah, I feel like maybe he was. Maybe I just think he was the leader. That was a big event. <laughs> you, just, you just brought me back, dude. Yeah. That was a big deal. When you get to fifth grade, you get to hatch chickens, yes. man. Yes, <laughs> and yes. we looked forward to it. It was, and you look at them every day. And yeah, you got to check on them. Mm -hmm. and I remember the one I picked the one up. It shat all over my hand. Did you get a specific? Did you get like a, to name one for yourself? I, or I don't remember. We didn't get to take them home on TV. They always got to take them home. Whatever became of them, I don't even remember. I hate to. <laughs> they probably, just live at the school until they for sale got sold over, to a, a farmer. Probably for sale in, in the Italian market on Ninth Street. Mm -hmm. Oh God, what a sad end. That's so great. Um, but yeah, so Shady Grove and yeah. 
Who was uh who did you hang with growing up as a kid before you got to, to high school? I remember like in, in Shady Grove around like the third grade area, I hung out with Moses a lot. Jeff Moses. Jeff Moses, yes. He lived not too far from me. I don't really know how we got hooked up. Like I would just ride my bike down to his house. Um we kind of just like hang out there. Sometimes he'd come up to to me. So I remember hanging out with him a lot for like the early years of elementary school. And then, of course, like fifth grade is when one of my good friends, who I'm still good friends with today, came up. Christian Lee. Yeah. Moved in. Wow. Could could barely speak English. Was in my class. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I started hanging out with him in like fifth grade. But we never really became fully tight until like 10th grade, which is weird. Christian. He's always like an acquaintance. Okay. But then like now he's like one of the, my best friends in the world. That's to this the day. phrase. That's the first, when you, when I said, right before we turned the mics on and I told him, you know, the name of the podcast is we weren't friends in high school. And he right. says, but we were friends. And I was like, and this is honestly kind of the reaction. Alea had a similar reaction. Okay. Uh, where, but then that's the word I would use acquaintance. Yeah. You know, and I said, he like, I don't think I had your number. We didn't like, we didn't call each other or hang out, but like we weren't adversarial. No. And, and there was a good chance one of us was going to show up mm-hmm. where the other one was hanging out, yeah. you know, without, yeah. we didn't need to like text or call each other mm-hmm. because probably going to run into you, you and know, quite frankly, um, this is opposite probably from a bulk of people, but I actually really, without really knowing you in, mm-hmm. in school growing up, yeah, I enjoyed being around you. You were, in fact, I thought you were voted funniest in high school. I should have been. I thought you were. <laughs> I think I was nominated. Nominated, but, uh, okay. Big Evan, Big Evan got it, man. Big yeah. Evan Wallace. You were, you were super funny. Yeah. One of the few I thought were actually real funny. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I rely on my humor, actually, to get through life. It's like my fallback. What would you, uh, would you grow up? What was funny to you growing up? <sighs> Jesus Christ. I don't know. What do you mean TV? by that? Like, so I grew up about the time that, you know, middle school, high school, I was really into, I, I think I drew a lot of my humor from like Chris Rock, oh, okay. uh, Damon Wayans, stand right, right, up. Um, right. I really, you know, some TV shows, uh, the smart ass comedy, Saved by the yeah. Bell, thing, well, Alpha yeah, Male I mean, like, type of shit. Those are classics. Was there anything that you, you kind of like drew your your sense of humor? Did you listen to albums? Did you was your family just funny? Was it I, just? I don't know, dude. Wow. I don't know. I I mean, I'm having I'm like drawing a blank. I mean, For like instance, did you I love I love like Billy Madison. That's yeah, like a yeah. classic Adam to Sandler. me to this day. That's an underrated classic. Yeah. Like, so, so I mean, like Adam, Adam Sandler, Sandler era, because like I'm a silly asshole. He's a silly asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like it's the same kind of vein in that humor. You know, were you an SNL fan? I loved SNL. I yeah. love it. Still kind of do. It's it's a different show. Yeah, I like it because it evolves, you know, like it's the same show. But depending on who's on there, you're going to get a different experience mm-hmm. all the time. Nobody's been there longer than Keenan. He's That's just true. hanging in. dude. <laughs> Yo, isn't that wild? But it's weird. We, we grew up with Keenan on all that. Yeah. And then he just moved to the he's other sketch. Kind of he been just there, graduated to the next sketch show. I think he's about the same age as us. Maybe he a little is. older. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like stuff like that. And then uh, when I was really young, like I, I used to watch like Ren and Stimpy on repeat. Yeah. Uh, like the cartoons and mm-hmm. stuff. So like that kind of humor, like that's a sick show. We probably shouldn't have been exposed to that as kids. But yeah, I don't know, dude. I've always just kind of been like a 
funny guy. You do consider I think it's yourself a coping, funny, It's right? a coping mechanism, yeah. Really? It's a coping mechanism. For what? This is where the podcast gets good. Anything, <laughs> anything, dude. I think it's it's my go-to. It's like my fallback. If I'm uncomfortable, I crack a joke. Yeah. If I'm feeling stressed, I try to make me laugh or like make people around me laugh so that I can laugh too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And none of this is like a conscious thing. It all happens on a subconscious yep. level. But if I'm going to stop and think about it like yeah. this, yeah. I think that's kind of where it comes from. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that's cool. I never, th- I think I, I think, um, uh, I always, I remember I, it's so weird. You didn't win. Cause like, and this is part of the podcast is I let out all my insecurities. <laughs> okay. I was a little jealous that really? I didn't get nominated really for funniest. Yeah. Cause I thought it was so funny. Well, dude, you were funny too. I think that's part of the reason we gravitated towards each yeah. other. We had the same kind of humor mm-hmm. a little bit twisted of, yes but funny and like we really clicked in tv lab with yes love. that's where like you and i i think realized we were at the same mm-hmm. like cut from the same creative cloth yeah and we did a lot of shows together we did. in that class that was a great that's that we had that sitcom oh my god do you remember that sitcom it was a oh my god i do vaguely Dude, remember it me back. i do it was vaguely an remember it mm-hmm. it was an assignment all i think what was there three or four classes of tv lab yeah like depot was in one we were in the other salter. one salter was with depot and meredith and in, in yep. one with us yeah and each one had to produce a half hour sitcom mm. and then we judged it to see who had the best one and, yeah. and ours won I you filmed it that. and directed it i starred in it as a principal <laughs> i was like a, a weird principal and burn was a student andrew oh, volick was a student and it was like a high school type show where like it was based around me like my zany antics as a principal like i was a principal who had no business being a principal and like the kids were like more mature than me or something like that, that sounds right up my i was alley, always like screwing up and i vaguely it was remember. called like sunny something sunny high or something like that and I my va- catchphrase was that was a dilly of a pickle <laughs> i don't know why what the hell's wrong with me dude <laughs> That was what I remember, though. And I remember you being behind the camera because that's that's where you shine. Yeah. You know, stuff like this. And like you're you're comfortable behind the camera producing shows. I'm comfortable starring and being in shows like I'm in front of the camera. You know what I mean? I'm a clown. (laughs) Did you why didn't you um, do anything with that? Well, I went to school for communications. You did. Because that uh, like I said, I wasn't I didn't really want to go. I don't know why, dude. I just. I had no drive. Yeah. I didn't have a plan. If I didn't go to college, I just, I don't know. I was the same way. I don't I know what I wanted way. to do. But since I was like throwing my dad a bone and being like, you know, I will try this. Mm-hmm. But I still had no idea what I wanted to major in. Yeah. So I talked to like my brother about it, my dad, and they're like, just do communications. It's such a broad major so that even if you change your mind, you might not even have to change majors because it's anywhere from like journalism to TV production will still cover public relations. You know what I mean? And that's all the kind of stuff that would fit me. So I'm like, you know, I'll do communications. So I did that still kind of aimlessly. When I went to LaSalle, one of the things that LaSalle, I'm not sure how many schools do this in the communications field. They wanted you to pick a specific track. I guess as you approach graduation, you should narrow it down from such a broad field. So for whatever reason, I again, I can't tell you why, Brad. I don't know. I picked journalism. Okay. So I was going to write for the Inquirer. You know what I mean? I was going to stay in Philly. I was going to write. Dr- what a dream. But why? That doesn't seem like me. Yeah. I don't know why I picked like, like I should have done like, 
I don't know. But the thing is, I never graduated. Oh, really? I dropped out. I dropped out on the side. I still don't have a degree. Really? Day. I had 96 credits. You need 120 to graduate. Mm. And I, I left. Wow. Do you regret that? Yes and no. I kind of didn't have a choice, to be honest with you. Okay. Things are about to get dark. Okay. I'm going to tell you stuff. All right. All right. Take it there. All right. I don't know how many people know this from school because like like i said i i didn't stay in touch with very many people after graduation and then i kind of just disappeared up here mm -hmm. so um but about the time we were hanging out like you said 21 things started going off the rails for me okay really bad and it was happening while you and i were hanging out but i was very good at hiding it and i still didn't fully understand it yet okay i found myself I couldn't stop drinking. I just, I couldn't at that mm. time. And I thought, you know, I'm young, we're partying, whatever. It got really bad and uh, I never saw it coming. I never saw it coming. I started, it got to the point where like, so I would say right directly after college, that few years, my main crew was like Conway, Ryan Conway, yep. Bulger, Dan Bulger, Alex, Fiambolis, Christian Lee. Those were like my go-to guys. Like we would do everything together, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I started withdrawing from them. Like there, <laughs> the way Alex tells it, cause like, honestly, like I got a lot of blacked out memories from that time period. Yeah. Alex like stayed, stayed like by my side. Like a lot of my friends, like even like Dan Bolger, he was done with me. Mm -hmm. He didn't want anything to do with me. Cause I was just like sloppy drunk all the time. Not fun to be around anymore. Like not me anymore, you know? Yeah. And Alex was like, you know, Herb, you're taking it too far. And uh, we would go out to like PJs, you know, like PJ Wheelahan's, yep. the spot. Yeah, everyone's and there. Everybody's there, and we're having a good time. And then, like, I gradually just started taking it further and further to where, like, I'm getting carried out of there. And, like, that's fine. That happens some sure. nights, but it shouldn't be happening all the time. Then it got to the point where I was declining even going out to the bar because it was easier for me to stay home and swig off a bottle. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't even hanging out with my friends anymore. I was not answering the phone. I was getting fired from job after job. Like I worked at GNC up in uh, Montgomeryville. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's still up there. By actually. the mall, yeah, right? Yeah. The little one. I worked at a tuxedo shop in the Plymouth Meeting Mall. Mm -hmm. I think that's still there okay. too, up on the upper level. I got fired. Like I couldn't hold a job. It was all like, you know, bullshit in between college jobs. It wasn't like a... Right. Meaningful job. But I couldn't hold a job. Like I was showing up to work drunk. I was in the back room at GNC drinking like just a fifth of whiskey in a backpack. Wow. Go back there, take a swig, pop some Listerine thinking I'm covering it up. You never really cover it up. It mm -hmm. comes out of your pores, you know, but you think you're pulling sure, it off. Yeah. And at this, I'm still driving back and forth, too. And to be honest with you, I didn't. It snuck up on me. Like, of course, it was a gradual thing, but I. Even though like I'm sitting there drinking at work, nothing clicked for me that I needed like help. Like, Jesus Christ, what am I doing? Nothing. It's it became normal. Mm. So I just started accepting more and more nonsense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Until it got bad. And like I, I barely had any friends left. I couldn't hold a job. My relationships were in shambles. Mm -hmm. I was doing a good job, like hiding it from my parents. I don't know how because I was living at home at the time. Sure. And I was drinking at LaSalle. I would go to yeah. class. My class would end. I'd go in the bathroom. I'd take a fucking swig, mm -hmm. come back out, go to the next class. 
drink more like you know i'm sitting i'm taking tests and i'm fucking sloshed yeah, like it's wow. crazy like it got really bad so there's a dark a dark thing man not a lot of people know that and i'll tell you i'll tell you what should have been rock bottom but wasn't so it was uh i think i was like 23 i think it was like 2004 right around that area and it had been pretty bad for about a year and a half, maybe two years of just daily drinking. And with with alcoholism, like it gets to a point where like you don't even get drunk anymore because your body, you change your your molecular chemistry, your cells adapt because you're saturating them with alcohol every day. So they physically change your body chemistry hmm. to where you have to drink now to, to be normal. It's you're not even drunk anymore. If I don't drink, I'm not normal. If I drink, I'm normal. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it just became an annoyance almost. It was maintenance. And that's why people get like the shakes and stuff mm -hmm. when they stop drinking because your cells, I did a lot of research on this and yeah. you know, I've been through a lot of stuff. Your cells go into overdrive because they're freaking out because they get alcohol, alcohol, alcohol. And alcohol is a depressant. It slows your nervous right. system down. So when you take the depressant away, your body doesn't know how to react when you drink at that level. So it begins to speed itself up in anticipation of being flooded and slowed down again. Mm -hmm. So all of your systems, your nervous systems firing on overdrive. So that's why you see people shaking and sweating because your body's always ready to be bombarded with more alcohol. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it was just it was really bad. That was a good eight months to a year where I woke up in the middle of the night shaking and I had to roll over in bed and take a swig off a bottle to stop shaking so I could continue sleeping wow. through the night because I would shake so bad it would wake me up. Wow. So it was just straight maintenance. I had to, you know, say I'm, I'm like getting ready for work. I'm taking a shower. I'm brushing my hair. I'm shaking. I can't brush my hair. I take a swig off a bottle, brush my teeth. My hands are steady again. I can go to work. You know what I mean? Like I'm not even sloshed. Yeah. I'm just trying to maintain some kind of normal. And that's when I got to the point where there's no turning back. Like that's that's crisis level. Right. Even though you, you don't feel like you're in crisis. Like yeah. how do you get out of that? You have to be medically detoxed because you've made your body dependent on it. Right. I didn't know any of this. So at this point, I was pretty pretty standard that I was drinking at GNC all the time. Somehow my boss didn't catch on. I guess I was hiding it well enough. Mm -hmm. um, Cause like I was still, I was still fine. I could ring out customers. I could explain products to them. Like mm -hmm. it was fine. Nobody your, ever your called me out on it. adapted to it. I don't, I, I had to have smelled. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe not. Cause I was popping pills and putting cologne on, not pills, uh, Listerine <laughs> and putting cologne on. So maybe that was enough, but I mean, it is a poisonous. You're also a, you're also a, I don't know if your personality had changed, but you know, generally you're, as far as I know, you've always been a good guy. I yeah. I think that's an easy thing for people to want to ignore as a reason, even if they were to smell something. You might be right. And dude. that's not Jason. If he right. smells, maybe he's just dirty or he's got B. you know, that right, would be right. my thinking of Absolutely. someone that I know. I've, I've known people who do that sort of thing and the, the rumors start and it's yeah it's always the guys you don't like or girls yeah. it can happen to women too but it's the people you don't like that you always start that well oh, i bet he's drinking or i bet she's right. drinking or but right. your personality did it did it change or were you the same guy um, besides your withdrawal 
you know what? Like, I think it changed some, but it was just, it was all keeping up appearances at that point. Mm -hmm. At that point, and again, like I was saying before, none of, none of this was like on a conscious level. This was all just subconscious actions yeah. that my brain took immediately to try to hide this growing secret. Mm -hmm. So I would be as outgoing as possible. Like I'm Mr. Personality. So it was me times 10 yeah. to overcompensate and make sure nobody got too close and found out. Um, but that there was that, it was a day in 2003 after I got off work at GNC. I'd been drinking in the back room all day. Yeah. Um, driving home and I got to, I was on uh, Bethlehem Pike, mm -hmm. right past Wawa, where the Ford dealership used to yeah, be. I think spot. it moved down the road now. Mile Wawa. Yeah, yeah. Where your and I were at. Yeah. yeah. Past that, there was like a Ford dealership and I think they moved it further down Bethlehem Pike now or something, okay. but it was like right there. And uh, I started feeling dizzy, like a weird dizzy feeling as I was driving. I'm, I'm like, oh, I've been drinking all day, whatever. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like crazy rationalizations. And it just got worse and I started feeling disoriented. And I'll never forget, I looked up at the sky and the sky turned this weird color of purple. Mm. And I all of a sudden felt like I was gonna black out. I'm like, what the hell? So I remember the last thing I remember is turning the blinker on because I was gonna pull over on the shoulder or somewhere mm -hmm. just until I felt right again. And I remember the car drifting over as I put the signal on, like I was pulling over and that's it. I don't remember anything else after that. Wow. I woke up in an ambulance and I had no idea where I was. Like I could hear the siren. Mm -hmm. It wasn't connecting that I was in an ambulance. I was so out of it. Like I couldn't figure out what happened. Mm -hmm. And I tried to move and I couldn't move. And like my, my head was, uh, they had like a headboard on me. Like I couldn't lift my head up. Strapped down. And I'm trying to like lift my head up. I couldn't get my arms free. And I'm like, where am I? Where am I? And the paramedics like, you're in an ambulance. We're taking you to the hospital, bud. And I'm like, why? I'm fine. Like I, I felt fine. I'm mm -hmm. like, why? what do you mean? And they're like, you were in a car accident. And I'm like, no, no. And this was legit. Like, I'm like, you got the wrong guy. I'm like, that wasn't me. I'm like, I have to go. I need to go home. Like, I just got off work. I'm like, you have the wrong guy. I have to go. And I was trying to get up. And yeah. they're like, he's trying to get up again. I could hear him talking. I'm like, what the fuck? I, I couldn't figure it out. Like, uh -huh. I was so out of it. You know what I mean? And they told me that I crashed into the Ford dealership and that I'd had a seizure like a withdrawal seizure wow. from not drinking. I hadn't had a drink in like three hours before my shift ended. Uh -huh. So like, I don't know, I don't know how familiar you are with like stuff like that, but like it's called um, delirium tremors, tremens or tremors or something like that. But it, it's a withdrawal seizure okay. from not having enough alcohol. It's wow. what I said before where your body speeds itself up. Mm -hmm. If you drink enough for a long amount of time, it can lead to a seizure because your brain starts misfiring because like everything is now sped up. Wow. So I had a full blown grand mal seizure. Like I don't wow. have a seizure disorder or anything. I literally drank myself into that or not because I, I had it because I wasn't drunk. Yeah. That's what I mean when I say it was like maintenance drinking. Yeah. But I didn't know that stuff like that could happen from withdrawal. I thought withdrawal was just, you know, a little nausea, some sweats, cold sweats, some shakes. Mm. I didn't know it could turn into a full-blown grand mal seizure. Uncontrollable. Yeah, and that's what happened. And I, I blacked out and I, that was the, when the sky turned purple, that was an aura. They say you have an aura before you have a seizure. Mm. Even people with epilepsy do. It can be like a smell, a visual hallucination, 
people with epilepsy, epilepsy, I guess, are used to it. Mm -hmm. They know if they see an aura that they should sit down or something, they're going to have a seizure. I never had a seizure. You know, I didn't know. But that was the thing that was like right before my brain started misfiring. So I didn't stop the car in time. Obviously, Mm -hmm. I had intentions to pull over. Right. But I didn't. And because I had started to pull over, the car was already drifting, but I wasn't braking. So it just sped up. I was like shaking. The guy who worked in the Ford dealership, the salesman, told the police that he saw my car come barreling through the parking lot. And he was in the showroom with customers and they thought I was coming in the showroom. Cause I I don't know, I must've been doing like 35, 40 miles an hour through the parking lot. Cause I was on the on Beth on Pike, right. so I, I didn't slow down at all. I right. didn't have a chance to pull over. Yeah, for and, for people who don't know, it's, it's it's just kind of like a very flat street, and yeah. on the left and right are very open kind of parking lot entrances and exits yeah. where you just there's a little bit of a lip, but otherwise you can just cruise right into every single happened. business. Yep. So I missed the showroom, but I took out four four parked cars that wow. were for sale there. Yeah. Dented the shit out of them. Kept going. Went to the back of the dealership hit a telephone pole. Jesus. The telephone pole cracked in half, fell down on my car and crushed my car like a tin can. They had to cut me out with the jaws of life. Jesus. <laughs> Meanwhile, Christ. I don't know any of this is happening. Mm-hmm. I'm not conscious at all. I'm having a full-blown grandma seizure. The, the car salesman told the police he thought I was an epileptic. Mm-hmm. He's like, I thought maybe, you know, his blood sugar was low because when he came flying through, I saw him at the wheel jerking back and forth like mm-hmm. he was just going and and then we didn't know if he was dead or not when he hit the pole somehow i didn't die i should have died dude i don't know how i didn't but uh the only thing that happened to me was a dislocated shoulder out of all of that jesus um, and i didn't even feel it when i woke up in the ambulance i felt fine and i couldn't believe that i didn't believe them when they were telling me i just had a grand mal seizure and that my car was wrecked I didn't believe him at mm-hmm. all. It took me a long time to get oriented back into my life. You know what I mean? And part of that, they said, is the seizure. There's right. a big recovery time after you have a seizure of like coming back. Because I didn't know my name at first. I didn't mm-hmm. know what day it was. All I knew was that there's been a mistake. You got the wrong guy. I was not in a car accident. That was the adamant thing in my brain I kept saying. You felt fine. Um, yeah, until the memory started coming back. But I, I still don't remember the accident. You just remember the, the turn I, The signal last thing I remember and... is trying to pull over because I felt weird. And wow. apparently I didn't make it. I didn't pull over, you know? So. Um, so you're strapped down, you're trying to get out. They, they kind of tell you what happened. You don't yeah, believe them. Yeah, I, I mean, we got to the hospital. Um, there was nothing they could do. Like they, they wanted to make sure I didn't have another seizure. So they gave me some kind of like sedative and the doctors i remember were like racking their brain they're like why would a healthy 23 year old man have a seizure he doesn't have a history of epilepsy i could hear them talking at my bedside Mm. and i knew the jig was up and i was like guys i need to tell you i think i might know why i had a seizure and i told them how much i'd been drinking and they're like that's that's what it is they're like you had a full-blown alcoholic withdrawal seizure and they're like you need to get help that's what the doctor said so I stayed there for a few more hours. My parents showed up. Mm-hmm. They were livid. Mm-hmm. I really don't know how they how they didn't know before then that it was such a big problem. Uh, but that's when it all came to a head. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's like, we're going to have to we'll have to get you in rehab like this has to end. And at that point, I wasn't ready to stop, believe it or not. That would be a lot of people's rock bottoms, mm-hmm. but it wasn't mine. And uh, I went to rehab to appease them. 
yeah. for 30 days. But as soon as I got out within a week, I was drinking again and it just started over again. And then <laughs> it was insane. I tell you this, Brad, it was insane. I was having mini seizures from withdrawal, not the grand mall kind, not blacking out, but just I was I was so used to it, dude, that I was just waiting for it to pass. I was conscious, but my body shaking and stuff. And uh -huh. then it would stop and I'd be like, guess I need to drink more. And I just drank more. Wow. Like it was so you were crazy. All in. It was all in. And uh, this so, is happening while you're while you're home now. You're back home. Yeah, and I'm back from home. The hospital and they kept my job at GNC for me. I don't know how. But I had such a good boss at that time. His name was Mark. He's such a good guy. He let me come back to the store. I promptly started drinking in the store again. Mm. I think, like you said, I think he might have known, but. Because like, you know, not to toot my own horn, but like you said, like I am kind of a likable guy. Yeah. I do like to make people feel comfortable around me. And for uh, just so many people gave me a pass, but I kind of wish they didn't. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like somebody needed to call me out on my shit. Yeah. I, I shouldn't have been allowed. Like that behavior shouldn't be excused. You can't just be showing up drunk to place. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. But so many people in my life and it's not their fault. I feel like excused it and just shrugged it off. Sure. You know? It's a hard thing. You, and, know, you uh, want to believe someone's got it you yeah. know, under control. and Yeah. And uh, so I ended up going to rehab a second time about half a year later, maybe. And that time I meant it because at that time I was ready. I went before because I wanted everybody off my back. Been through I didn't know what else tragic. to do. The yeah. yeah, it was a... Um, this time I was ready. I was, I was sick. I was like mentally sick. I was physically sick. I beating the shit out of my body. Mm -hmm. I was done, dude. It was just a feeling, no incident, just a, you know, it's sick of this. Yeah, I didn't want to do it anymore, but I couldn't stop. Mm -hmm. I literally, I physically couldn't stop drinking. It was the weirdest thing I've ever gone through in my life. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I never thought I would grow up to be an alcoholic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody thinks no that. No one thinks I that. I don't have a history of alcoholism in my family. My parents aren't drunks. My grandparents are drunks. Mm -hmm. My brother can drink normally. But come to find out, my dad said on his side of the family, alcoholism is prominent, mm -hmm. just not in the people I know, my immediate family. Does your but dad his, drink? My dad does drink, but does rarely. Have, right. and he's got no problems with it at all. He drinks even less now after sure. going through this. But uh, his uncles were all alcoholics. Mm -hmm. His grandfather was an alcoholic. His aunt, like everybody on his side when he was growing up had alcoholism, but his parents didn't, my grandparents, and he didn't. Wow. But it skips generations, sure. apparently. I found this out when I went to rehab. It definitely skips generations. Like any other hereditary trait, mm -hmm. you're either gonna get it or you didn't. But I didn't know. Like maybe if I had right. been aware that, hey, this this runs in our family. Do different maybe things. Maybe I could have saw it coming. Like, hey, I'm drinking too much. I got this problem in my family. But it's not anybody's fault, you sure. know, like my dad, why would he think to like ever tell me that, you know, if he didn't think anything was wrong. Right. And it's a little bit on my mom's side, too. We found out which the, her whole family's from Ireland. So, you know, it's just off to the races. Sure. With that. <laughs> but so I have it on both sides, but just not anybody in my immediate family that I grew up, up with. No right. grandparents, aunts, uncles. Everyone who had it is dead. Mm -hmm. And two of those people drank themselves to death. Uh, my dad's uncle and his aunt 
died, I believe, like she got into an accident where like she got hit by a car because she stumbled out in the road drunk and died. Wow. So like it was alcohol related deaths. So it's there. I just didn't see it coming at mm -hmm. all. I had no, you know, a lot of times like if you if you're a drunk, your dad's a drunk or something. Mm -hmm. like, you know, like yep. it, it happens like that sometimes. Yeah. But I didn't have that, so it really blindsided me. And I think when I was in the thoroughs of it, I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I was. I knew something was happening. At some point, it clicked in me. Like, all right, it's not normal. Like, it's six a.m. and I'm sloshed. And sure. I would start. I would wake up at six a.m., watch the news, drink, and I wouldn't stop drinking until like I passed out that night at like one a.m. Mm -hmm. Get like five hours sleep, start over again. It was just day in, day out. Yeah, trying to maintain some kind of life. Yeah. So, uh, so I've been sober ten years now. Wow. I, Congratulations. Uh, thank you. February, uh, the Super Bowl was the last time I drank. Super Bowl 2000. This past February was 10 years. So that would be, what, 2009? Yeah. 2008, I believe, actually was. February of 2008 wow. was the last time. Congratulations. And that was man. obviously Super Bowl related drunk. I yeah. tied one on, an epic one, not yeah. on purpose. But the next day, there was like hell to pay. Like I was up here then, I was mm -hmm. living with my wife. Okay. And she drove me to like an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. And uh, when I got out of rehab, they kept telling me, they're like, go to meetings, get a sponsor, never stop talking about it. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I was lost, dude. Like my whole life went off the rails. I had to drop out of LaSalle because I wasn't, it wasn't maintaining anymore. Like sure. I remember one time, you know, those little blue books for exams. Yeah, yeah. You have to write, like it was a big test and there was an essay and the essay was like you know use your blue book write however many paragraphs about so and so some mm -hmm. history class and i thought i was writing this epic thing you know what i mean i'm like oh man it's gonna be awesome i'm gonna get an a oh so good the next day the professor called me up and he's like what is this and he showed me the blue book and it was all scribbles there was no letters oh, in there dude wow. i didn't write anything it was just squiggly lines and it was just nonsense and i'm like oh my god dude so like i started failing i was failing courses left and right i was gonna get thrown out mm -hmm. if i didn't drop out and uh yeah i know i never really went back and like i said you asked if i regret it like yes and no yeah um i don't really know i don't know how to elaborate on that Yes and no. Yeah. Um, you want the accomplishment, but you yeah. better, but you're so much better than you were at that time. Yeah, because like it's not turns for out it turns out like my life went a different way anyway. Like you can plan you can plan for stuff all you want. You, mm -hmm. I'm gonna do this, this, and this. But like if something's gonna happen to you, it's gonna happen to you. I learned that. Yeah. You know, like and I'm the last person that I ever thought would end up having to go to rehab you right. know like that's crazy like that's not me right it still doesn't feel like me when i look back i feel like someone else lived that life i hear that a lot but i'm finally like the herb that you knew again you know what i mean like it took me so long to get back to that i was lost for like five years mm. five solid years of like solid drinking i would say is mm -hmm. when it was really in the shit and there's so many old timers at AA who are like, God, I would give anything to have gotten sober at your age. Mm -hmm. Like, don't ever start drinking. I've been drinking for 10 dec or ten years. I've been drinking for three decades. I lost my family. My daughter doesn't speak to me. These are old timers, like 50, 60 years old mm -hmm. who 
struggled for decades to get a hold of their sobriety. Mm -hmm. So they're like, for you to get a grip on it in your 20s and to have only been actively drinking for like a five-year period, not decades, they're like, you're lucky. And, and they're like, you've got time under your belt. Keep mm -hmm. growing that time, you know? Like, don't, don't be like us is what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. So like, you know, that was a big motivation. And I had a sponsor. It was this guy, uh, Tony. He was awesome. Uh, he got me through like the first year, year and a half. Uh, some And somehow my wife still wanted to be with me because she told me she she knew after a while. Because like I said, she would check in with me, you know, text me every now and then. How's life? Yeah, all that right. shit. She knew that I went to rehab. I explained the whole thing to her. And somehow she still said, when are you going to come take me out to dinner? And I, I had maybe a month of sobriety under my belt at that time. And that wasn't the last time I drank either. I relapsed with her with mm -hmm. that last Super Bowl, Super Bowl thing. And there was a couple more times before that where she should have bounced mm -hmm. because I would get two months drink, four months drink. You know, I, I couldn't put it together long enough Yeah. until after that time. I don't know. But she told me, she's like, I remember the person that you were not who you are now. Yeah. She's like, I know who you are underneath all this crap and I'm going to bring you back out of it. I'm like, really? And she's like, yeah, because wow. this isn't what your life is supposed to be. She's like, I know you. I know you from like the year 2001 when we were 18, 19. She's like, I know who you are and it's not wow. this. So like, how do you not marry a girl like that, dude? That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, like she, I, I would go as far to say she saved my life probably because she didn't give up on me and everybody gave up on me. My parents didn't, but they were disheartened. They didn't know how to handle it. It's scary. I lost friends because of it. Like I don't talk, I didn't never talk to like Ryan Conway, Dan Bolger. They just turned their backs on me and never forgave me hmm. for things I did. Like I, I did terrible things. You can imagine how it is. Yeah. Drunks do terrible things. Sure. I don't know if I want to get into it specifically, but um, but then like my other friends, like Alex, Christian Lee, they welcomed me back almost. They're mm -hmm. like, Herb, man, I'm so glad you turned your life around. Like we knew, we knew you could do it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so like, it's weird like that. Like when life blows up in your face, like it's weird and interesting to see like who stands by you, who, who believes in you and who just gives up on you. And really in theory, like I wouldn't blame anybody for never talking to me again, sure. you know, like, but she pulled me out. That's incredible. My friends that wanted to stay, stayed. The other ones, you know, Bounced. went on with life. And I mean, that's how it goes, you know? Yeah. So yeah, there's that, man. Wow. When you told me to come on this cast, I was telling my wife, I'm like, man, you think I should talk to Brad about the whole alcoholic phase? And she's like, well, it's a big defining thing in your life. Yeah. She's like, but you know, you don't have to, if you don't want to, you know? Talk about whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I couldn't be on this like high school catch up podcast without mentioning how life went off the rails after high school for yeah. me. You know, so I mean, I'm, I'm comfortable with it. I, I still have a little bit of shame. Like I carry some shame to this day and I shouldn't. I shouldn't be so hard on myself, but I am. I can't help it. I've always been hard on myself. Sure. Uh, but it happened, you know, I yeah. can't change it. You came out of it. I came out of That's it. I could have died. I could have died. Yeah, man. Not just with that car accident, but there was just so many times like 
I should have went like Hendrix style and choked on my own vomit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In my sleep. Or, you know what though? Sometimes it's the stupid shit. Like you, yeah. you fell down the stairs while yeah. you were drinking. And you know, I, I know people like that who, yeah. who have had just stupid accidents and, yeah. and there's people who have had even worse. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, you talk about, you know, maybe the shame, but be proud, man. I am, yeah, but it, it's still proud. hard for me. I, it's it, been a decade, dude. Yeah. I, I don't know why it's still hard for me, but I'm well, fine. That's I'm why fine. they say every day, right? You just, yeah. you don't jumble it all up into a big problem. You just look right. at every day. And, right. You know, I have a buddy that um, I saw through, you know, very, very, very similar mm-hmm. uh, situations and, and, you know, still friends to this day. And, yeah. and I saw how hard it was and, and the re- the relationships around him, how they've changed, um, sure. and he's made it through. Now it's been uh, it's been about ten years now, a little bit more. Good, uh, same thing. And you know, I, I same thing to him. You yeah. know, he looks back on those days, but you can't change him. All you can do is be the person you are now. Yeah, and luckily, I came out like being the same person that I was before. Wiser. I, I didn't. Yeah, wiser, like a new and improved version. Yeah, you don't really know because like I was so broken. Like I really didn't know if I was still capable of being in there like like my wife said like i know the yeah. person you are i'm gonna bring you out i didn't know if that was even possible because i thought i drank that person away i thought i killed my personality what was your um when you go when, when you think back to high school yeah now i wasn't i wasn't a partier at all i didn't drink and smoke and right. do anything what was right. your your social life like well it started then dude i had my first drink when i was 12. Wow. With with Bulger. Me and yeah. Dan Bulger used to steal his old man's booze all the time and exp- and just experiment. We had mm-hmm. a beer and we're just like giggling. So we're like, ha, ah, we got away with it, you know? Mm-hmm. And we thought it was funny. And like Dan kind of would just like stopped, but I never really stopped. Mm-hmm. I would steal a little bit from my dad because I thought it was fun. Mm-hmm. It's like for shits and giggles. And Dan would be like, yo, you're taking it too far now, Herb. Like, come on. Yeah. And I, I never realized until I started going to like AA and rehab, like that it wasn't normal for 12 year olds to drink. Mm. I thought everybody stole like booze from their parents. And I guess people do, but probably not at 12. It's something like a 16, 17 year old would do. Most likely. Probably varies, but I'm sure that's a warning sign for many. Yeah, I think it was. And I just, I thought it was normal. Like every 12 year old takes swigs off their dad's bottle. Do you know Mm. what I mean? Yeah. And then it never really stopped. It started at 12 and it never really stopped. what was I don't want to put anybody on blast. No. Well, what was your? What there was, was a time. Huh? Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I won't name names. Yeah. Okay. You know these people. Okay. You. We all know these people we know well. Who they are. <laughs> and if they're listening, they might remember this. There was a time in seventh grade where me and these three other people went into the bathroom, and we were just drinking in there. Mm. Um, the one guy brought. I guess he brought it from home. It was in a water bottle. I think it was like some kind of shandy. Or something like that, and we had health class with Miss Sherman. Yeah, that, that redhead who looked like Miss Frizzle. Yep, and uh, we were all in health class, and we realized we went too far because I looked over, and uh, I'm not gonna say his name. He had his head down on the desk. The other girl we were in there with, because it, we, we, it was two, two, two girls room. and me boys and him. Room. We were all in the boys' room That's drinking. Great. Nothing weird happened. No. Nothing crazy, but you know, it was just such a a weird thing and even that was like normal to me just kids hijinks you know just writing it off yeah and those people as far as i know they turned out okay like they didn't have a problem i'm thinking it was just like a a day of like fuckery for them mm-hmm. but for me it was just like another cog in the wheel mm-hmm. and i didn't know it it was all just building and like i i don't know 
So like it was all these little things along the way that just never hit mm-hmm. until my 20s. And uh, I I think maybe because I turned 21 and it wasn't so hard to get alcohol anymore, you know, I'm sure that probably sped everything up. Because back then you're like, you have to like be like, hey, can you buy me alcohol? Someone's big brother mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, so you have to steal from your parents or something, you know, yeah. like, but when you're 21, you just walk right in and, and buy it. So I think it was just, it was there. Mm-hmm and probably slowly growing. Yeah. Uh, and I never saw it common. Like I said, I don't have an immediate family history, so I didn't see any of these like warning signs. Yeah. And then I think when I turned 21, it was just, it opened it up yeah. off to the races. And uh, there was a time when you were there, I remember this was like, I think I was like pretty much in the, th- in the throes of it. Still kind of being social though. I hadn't fully like isolated myself yet. Mm-hmm. And Sean from Wawa yep. threw me out of his apartment because I drank too much and he had to work. He had the opening shift uh-huh. in the morning. And he's like, you could stay here and party because it was like me and Biggs and like two other people mm-hmm. from Ambler yeah. <laughs> just like in their apartment because they used to live on what For, was it? Forest, Forest Avenue, Avenue yeah. apartments. Yeah. And uh, Forest Gardens. Yeah. And they just had people stopping by all the time. You yeah. know, it was <laughs> like, a spot. It was yeah. the spot. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's like, you could stay. He's like. But, you know, I got to wake up early so you can't be out here yelling anymore. I guess I was just yelling and laughing loud. And, yeah. you know, like the party. Sh- yeah, we were just it was like a second home. And uh, he came out several times and he's kept telling me. And then, like, the last time I thought he was going to kick my ass and I had it coming. Yeah. But he didn't because you know, he was a good guy and he was my friend. But he's like, you have to get out. Get out of my house now. Get out. I'm like, no, no, come on. Give me another chance, please. He's like, get get out. Get the fuck out. You know, like you're too loud. You're drunk. You drink too much all the time. I'm sick of it. You always drink too much. And like he just went off on me. And I'm like, I got nowhere to go. Like, I I can't drive, dude. I can't drive. He's like, I don't give a fuck. He's like, I got work in the morning. Get out. So I ended up sleeping in my car in the parking lot of the the apartment complex there. But like even that wasn't like a sign. That was just like a normal night of like hijinks to me. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. how is this? Like I said, I just kept excusing it. I just kept excusing it. Yeah. Until it, it was like right there until I wrecked my car, you know, yeah. like wow. pretty much. So, yeah, there was probably definitely signs looking back yeah. that I could see. But at the time, nothing was like a slap in the face. You're not the only one to, I mean, when I think back and this is, I was always looking from the outside. I, I just, I didn't know how to partake in stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't have like booze around. I didn't, I didn't know people over 21 really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my group of friends just didn't drink. Yeah. Um, but other people have talked about that. And the thing I keep going back to is we were part of that, the water bottle era when the mm-hmm. water bottles became a thing, um, you know, Deer Park, Avion, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That was new. Yeah, it was. So the idea that- it's so normal now. People right. think back to the, that. You know, the idea you had a transportable plastic bottle yeah. that you could put whatever in yeah. and keep it on your person. Yeah. Um, Nobody questioned. No one questioned. By senior year, halfway through senior year, they actually had to ban the water bottles. I forgot about that. Yeah. You're right. I yeah, forgot all about that. People were just drinking. And I, yeah. you know, it's not a thing in college. I was like, oh, I know what to do. Like, yeah. I, that's where I learned it. But I never knew in high school. Yeah. You know, I had, but that was what everyone seemed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a lot of just like who I hung out with. Cause like my main group of friends would drink now and then. And then I, I found myself like running into like 
Gebert and K Rod mm-hmm. and Evan Wallace a lot. And mm-hmm. like I would hang out with them a lot and we were always just turning up. And yeah. like Evan was rapping all the time. Like, oh man, I was rapping with him. Like we were just always having something fun going on or yeah. like meeting up somewhere and, and just like turning up for no reason. And it was so accepted and normal. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was like to some extent it is because like, you know, it's like a stereotype for high school kids. To sure. Drink. Everyone. Dabbles. And then there's like there's like people like you who don't. But like it's not a requirement. You know what I mean? But it's like something you see like portrayed in ridiculous movies like American Pie, like high school kids drink. You know what I right. mean? Right. But it was oh, I always would have like that extra one or take it like. Yeah. Yeah. Too far. And like everybody's done for the night. There's there's so many nights, dude. This should have been another wake up call. People are passed out on the couch, on the floor. I'm awake. I'm the only one awake and I'm finishing floaters. Mm-hmm. People's beers that they just left on an end table. I don't know who drank it. Mm-hmm. I'm putting my lips on Like I don't know whose it is. Yeah. It could have a cigarette butt put out in it, you know, <laughs> I've had that happen. And I'm going around finishing, finishing floaters. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I can't, I can't stop. You know what I mean? But still didn't, wow. didn't click at all. And I was like. 17, 18 at this time, yeah. we were in school, but it wasn't like every day. It was like every couple of weeks, you know, like mm-hmm. twice a month, maybe social someone's having a party. Let's stop by. And that's all it was. I'd stop here for like two hours. I'd go to this person's house, mm-hmm. like wherever I heard there was stuff going or people would call me and they'd be like, Herb, you got to come here or, here or there. And I was dating um, Katie Ryan at the time. Oh, yeah. I dated okay. her. F- for like a year and a half, I think, in high school. And we had a lot of fights at that time about how much I was drinking. Yeah. Um, she was just another person who made excuses for me, man. <laughs> like, yeah. Who saw it, but didn't call me out the way I needed to be called out. Mm-hmm. And it's nobody's fault. Yeah. Everyone was just, you know, like, I, I don't know. Well, like there's said, so even, many people looking back that excused this behavior as normal. Yeah. When it definitely wasn't normal. So I don't know. I don't know what to do with that. You know, that that's where a lot I of think, like the shame and like the guilt comes from is like even thinking back to those times, which feels so long ago. Mm. Um, how many people I let down directly and indirectly, you know, mm. how I just brush so much off for alcohol. Yeah. Which is for nothing, really. You know, I gave up so much for nothing to get another another high, another drunk. You know? Yeah. Yeah people I pushed away, people I cursed out, people I fought, you know, like just crazy. So she was a saint for putting up with me for so long in high school. Yeah. And uh, like I said, my friends would say things here and there, but nobody ever, and it's nobody was required to, I'm not putting it on anybody else. Like sure. It's all on me, but I needed somebody to forcefully like shake me or slap me in the face. Be like, you're, freaking you're you're drinking too much dude like we're you're too young for this but nobody did and i think it's because you know i was so outgoing as a personable guy people liked me they didn't want to piss me off you know what i mean but i'll tell you dude you know you talk about you know your accident and that should have been your rock bottom yeah and then a month later you were back out at it yeah you know like with my buddy it was there were many a time that we shook him that we we tried it we would yeah. physically try to change his habits yeah. and, and and try to even just change you know his lifestyle around him or our party and habits and when someone wants to do it someone wants to do it and yeah. so you know as, as far yeah, as i don't know if it would have mattered or not but you had to be i ready. know i would have thought about it more if someone 
had presented it as a big deal mm-hmm. instead of brushing it off because I didn't see it as a big deal. Maybe it would have reframed my my thinking. I don't know. It could have just gone south for me anyway, though. Because, you know, here's a, here's a little aside, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah. A lot of people, this might be an unpopular opinion. Okay. A lot of people say alcoholism is a disease. Mm-hmm. I don't subscribe to that philosophy. I think that's sort of putting the accountability on something else mm-hmm. and not you taking responsibility for it. It's not a disease. It, it didn't happen to you. Like cancer happens to you. Like, you know, that's sure. a disease. Like that's an illness. Mm-hmm. This is something... I did to myself by drinking in excess that I changed the chemistry of my body to the point where I became dependent on it. Mm -hmm. Like that's not a disease. That's something I did. I chose to have those drinks. Now there's, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a genetic component to it. Obviously it runs in my family. Other families have it more prevalent. And maybe some of that is learned behavior too. If you see like an uncle or a father, it looks cool. Um, but I think there is a genetic component to it to where like if you have that gene or whatever in you, that trait, that first moment you have a drink, I think it lights up an area in your brain of like, oh, man, we're doing this now. Mm-hmm. And it could take years like it did for me to fully come out or it could happen immediately. Someone drinks the first time and, and they just don't stop mm-hmm. or it's a slow buildup. But the point remains, even though I was dependent on it and felt like I didn't have a choice, I had a choice. It's not a disease. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's I don't I don't know how to put it in the words. I mean, I'm not I'll, trying to discount it, but no, no, no. I mean, I, I have uh, um, I had. Hey, listen, we were in that, that, that same, you know, we were in the same apartment party and we were at the same yeah. bars yeah. Uh, driving home and whatnot and yeah. driving around at the, the exact same, you know events um so i was there doing similar things um and when you start talking about like the end of the party when everyone's you know blacking out i was gonna yeah. i was about to say i'm right there with you because i thought you were gonna say you're the one that's still up drinking i never do floaters right but, <laughs> nobody should but i, I don't would, recommend it but i'm definitely like when people are passing out, i'm the last one that's yeah. still up and i'm still like oh we're making a fresh drink let's yeah like, yeah, let's, yeah who's still going um and that's you know, not necessarily a bad thing it's no, just you know no no but i think it's you know it's um I definitely have those social those social aspects but when you talk about you know the choice mm-hmm. I, I kind of have those moments where i recognize it i've been going i had some years where i went um too hard it was a it yeah. was a work thing and a social thing and it was just my life for for a couple of years of the going to the bars um yeah but i definitely have those like moments in life where i choose to stop i choose to remove myself from it um and i just kind of stopped doing it for a while because i can feel yeah. like it's going too hard or i'm doing it kind of impulsively um and it is a definite like a thing in my brain where i go i could say i'm not drinking if i allow myself to get pulled into that social setting even if everyone else isn't going hard i'm still gonna have six okay you know i'm still gonna have seven eight i'm still gonna drop 50 60 if i'm in that mood i could do that at at a heartbeat when two hours ago i wasn't gonna do anything but that one drink will so i i I do see what you're saying because it is a conscious effort where if i didn't allow myself um i could stay in for a few days and right and stay a little dark right and even though there might be like some kind of hereditary factor to it, anybody can drink themselves into dependence. Oh yeah, it's for me, it's definitely hereditary. But uh, I don't. I just don't like that it's called a disease. I just feel like it, it takes the onus off of you, and you should be accountable for your actions. Mm-hmm. Like you can't control if you get cancer or not. That's just going to happen to you, and that's terrible. Yeah. But well, you I can, would say you can kind of curb this a little. I would say similarly, just being you know devil's advocate, that cancer is hereditary. 
Well, absolutely. Um, there definitely is hereditary cancer. You know, and you can live as healthy as you want to live, and then it still happens. Yeah, it's going to um, be activated the mm -hmm. same kind of way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it's like a mixed feeling for me. I think it's maybe something I need to tell myself. And to be honest with you, I don't go to AA anymore. Mm. Um, I haven't gone to a meeting like six or seven years. Uh, I just didn't like the culture there. Uh, it helped me. Mm -hmm. And in the back of my head, I know if I ever feel like I'm going to if I'm struggling again, I can go. There's meetings every everywhere. Yeah. Every town has at least like five meetings going on at the same time. It's yeah. like an underbelly. Nobody knows about it. They're right, meeting right. in like church That's basements. And That's the point. Right? You have no idea. You have no idea how much AA is in our world. You know, it's always there. Mm -hmm. So I know I can always look it up in a minute and be at a meeting and be like, hey, I feel like I want to, you know, pick up a bottle and. This and that, if I need to, mm -hmm. but for me to go like twice a week, uh, I don't feel like I need it anymore. When I first got sober, sure, but then I started getting like really pissed off at these meetings. Mm. I would be sitting there. First of all, they there's like the Alcoholics Anonymous book, and there's the twelve steps. Right. Everyone knows the twelve yep. steps, and you have to work through all the steps. Mm -hmm. That's what you get a sponsor for. The sponsor kind of works with you, pushes you through the steps. The big one everybody knows about is like asking yep. for forgiveness. Yeah. Uh, that was awkward. I had a lot of awkward conversations. But a, so much of that 12-step program, it it's helpful, but so much of it is based around spirituality and God. And Alcoholics Anonymous says that they are a non-denominational, non-faith-based organization, mm -hmm. but they sure are involved with God a lot <laughs> for, for claiming that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's fine that uh, so many people in this world turn to God for various reasons. I myself, I guess I could be considered an atheist, agnostic atheist. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I don't know what I believe, but I lean towards the belief that there, there probably isn't a God. Mm -hmm. And for me, they, they say like step one is to turn it over to God, let it go. And again, that's the same. That's like a cop out for me again. Mm -hmm. Even if I believed in God, like, no, because yeah. that's just saying like everything you did is OK and you just give it up to this magical entity and you're forgiven. And I don't I don't want to let myself off the hook like that. Mm -hmm. I, I need to remember what I did and the choices I make so that I don't do it again. I can't just pray it away mm -hmm. to some invisible force yeah. you know i need to keep it with me and they were they they have a saying there's all these sayings in aa let go and let god uh it works if you work it you know like all these little like slogans and i'm like i can't let go and let god because i i need to hold on to it not mm. to beat myself up over with it but just to remember how easy it is to get back to that spot i guess mm. i just didn't like it and then like you, you just spend an hour drinking shitty coffee and telling stories. And yeah. it, it's almost like sharing war stories. <laughs> oh, it was 10 years ago and I did this and, and I said this to my daughter and she never forgave me and I did this and I crashed my car and wrapped it around this tree. And it's like, we're just dwelling on our mistakes. Like this isn't helping me. Mm. It just wasn't for me. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm supposed to learn from this. Yeah. Cause I can't sit here telling war stories with you guys over and over and mm. i'm if it helps people it helps people it just doesn't help everyone's different me. but it is nice to know that if i need to i can go talk to people who get it support because not everybody if you don't if you haven't lived through it you kind of don't get that mentality of like i'm struggling mm. if you walk into an aa meeting and say you're struggling everybody in the room knows what you mean 
Whereas like, if it was like you or me talking, I'd have to explain to you the emotions and how I'm feeling. Like you just kind of did. Right, right. I can't imagine. Right. I can't, I was literally just thinking, I can't imagine what goes on through your head sometimes. Right. So, so I'm okay, man. I'm doing it on my own. I don't really think about it often. I kind of got my life back and I'm, like I said, it doesn't really even feel like me. I feel detached from that person. But I know it was me. Mm. I know I lived through it, but who knows? Well, I'll share a happy memory. All right. I believe it's you. I want to attribute it to Maybe. you. But I feel like you're the first person to really turn me on to like um, more underground hip hop. All right. Um, I came into a classroom one day and you were listening to the Mad Rapper. Really? Stir crazy. Dude, why was I in class listening to him? You had a disc man. Oh my God, that's hilarious. Uh, and yeah, you were rocking Stir Crazy. And I was like, and I thought I knew hip hop because I listened to the radio. Yeah. And I was like, what's this? And you're like, Stir Crazy. And yeah. I didn't know who D Dot was or anything yeah, like yeah. that. And I didn't know Eminem had other songs. Right. Or, or uh, and that's really where I started like researching it. And, and Kevin was, Kevin DeProsper, same mm-hmm. way as far as, you know, some of the stuff that he turned me on to, to where yeah. I realized there's this underground of b-sides and right and whatnot that um talk a little bit about just your music tastes yeah dude uh that reminds me when you brought up kevin we had that game battle hits yes that we played which is ridiculous yeah and we played it on facebook you, just me, and for kevin. reference we're talking like two years ago this is not like yeah, a, this wasn't when we were kids <laughs> this is just this could still happen this is what we were doing like two years ago on a friday night yep just posting it was uh, Kevin made a page for it eventually, mm-hmm. a Battle Hits page. But before that, we were just blowing up posts mm-hmm. on Facebook. Someone would post the song. And there was, I think there were some posts we had like 122 posts mm-hmm. of just like trying to one up each other with, yeah. <laughs> remember this track? Remember that? Yeah, they were deep, deep cuts. cuts, dude. And we, I think we did it for like a long time, a like long two time. years. And then we kind of got bored of it. Mm-hmm. But we always talk about bringing it back. Like, yo, we got to play battle hits again. You yes. sunk my battle hits. That's what it was. <laughs> it was like battleship. Like, oh man, you posted this track. You sunk my battle hits. That was what we would say. It. It What's so wrong fun. with us? But yeah, well, it's because like you and Depot, you guys have that same like taste as, as me. Yeah. I don't know why. I, I always just like, I like a lot of music, but I think like hip hop's my first love. I have very diverse tastes though. Like I'll, I'll listen to like, you know, like some underground indie stuff too. And, you know, I grew up listening to like Pearl Jam and Nirvana and stuff mm. like that. Like, so like my tastes are all over the place, but I just love hip hop for some reason. I always have. Um, I don't really know how it started. Like I remember when I was in middle school, I think, um, I started listening to like Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. Like, who does that? Yeah. I don't know how I even Ten got years turned on to that, dude. I wish I could remember. I just don't. Yeah. But and like that was just like the definition of old school. And then I took it back further and I started listening to like Grandmaster Flash and Sugar Hill Gang and yeah. stuff like that. And I got I, I used to have like a legit like record player. Mm-hmm. And I was at um, like a flea market or something. And I got an mm-hmm. entire Sugar Hill Gang out like five album set of, on vinyl that's and awesome. i would just play it until it was like worn out dude like that's awesome um and then from there you know i got in i got into like newer stuff like outcast came out and i was like oh my god these guys are amazing mm-hmm. i was always into wu-tang um because they were ever evolving like yeah. each album of theirs is so different mm-hmm. um 
And then I just, I don't know. I always had a desire to see like, you know, what else there was. Like, what's the stuff nobody's talking about? Yeah. I don't know why. It's just like some kind of morbid curiosity, you know? And like you said, like with Eminem, like, oh, these songs are hot. These songs that are popular. Mm -hmm. But like, what's he got underneath all that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm curious. I just get curious about those kind of things. So, yeah, it's eclectic. Favorite class or teacher? In high school or all of? In high school. Uh... Well, I loved Malone and TV Lab, dude. Yeah. Malone, I think it was Malone's like first year out of college. He and like he Something did good, like but like you could tell he was kind of like struggling yeah. a little yeah. bit, you know. And he was so close to our age. Yeah, we were like seventeen, and he was like twenty five. I, I think. called him by his first name. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was awesome because because he was still trying to figure it out. We had so much freedom in that class. Yeah, to where it was like. We can just sign a camera out and run around the hallways filming Do whatever we want. and just turn it in. Yeah. And I remember um, we got in trouble one time because I, w- I would go out with um, Conway. Yeah. Like me and Conway. Well, actually, me and Conway anchored the news for a little while. Okay. Like, I remember that. Yeah. Well, I think Mark Pinchotti was like the main anchor. Yeah. And then me and Ryan were like field reporters on WTV. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> and we did like an entertainment segment, I think, or something. And then somebody else did sports. Okay. Uh I can't remember who it was, but someone was like the sports mm. guy. We had we had a legit news. Yeah, thing. I remember you that was mandatory. Though. Channel sixteen. And- yeah, because that I think that was going on since like the nineties. Yeah, was a hick. And yeah, like, that was a long standing well, tradition. Thing, right, you want to be on TV, and yeah, and that was the it's way to do access, it. And, yeah. You know, our main our target audience was like seventy year old ladies who sat at home with nothing else to do. Yeah, watching Community Access. And Stilo but, had a TV show, and yep, and know. back then. Like Wissahick and now, I think, even when my brother, who's six years younger than me, was coming through, each classroom had like a TV mounted on the wall, like a flat screen. Wow, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like back then, we were wheeling wheeling it on the in TV a cart VCR and it was combo. a box TV. <laughs> yeah. But now, to the, to the- right, now WTV News is broadcast in each classroom in the morning. There's no morning announcements anymore. You know how like Malazi would get on the intercom, Miss Malazi? Wow, dude. Morning announcements and the Pledge of Allegiance. You know what I mean? Now every classroom has a flat screen mounted on the wall and it comes on every morning and they watch WTV news. Wow. Just like in the movies. It's more legit than when we were doing it. Just like in Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's more legit than when we were doing it. Just like ours was more legit than they were doing it in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's evolved. But we had a lot of fun. There was a time where I don't remember who would film. I, I want to say Mike Clyburn mm-hmm. was on the camera. Okay. Maybe. And him, me, and Conway would go and we would take the Trojan head from the sports office. kind of remember this. And nobody questioned it because we had a camera. Mm-hmm. And we found out you could do anything if you have a camera. Like, no one's going to, like, I'd go in and I'd be like, we're taking the Trojan costume. And they'd be like, oh, all right. They'd see the camera. And we would totally just disrespect the mascot with it. Like, we, <laughs> we were filming these skits of, like, of, like, me trying to, like, hug up on girls and be like, and they thought it was, uh, I think, what was it, Matt Greger was yeah. the Trojan? Yep. Like, he was for years. Yeah. And he did a good job. And they would think it was Gregor in the costume, but it was me. Yeah. And then I would like whisper dirty stuff in their ear and they'd be like, what? And they'd try to take the head off and stuff. And it was just so many bad things. And Malone got so pissed. He's like, we can't put this on TV. It's what so are you great. doing? And like, there was another time I was in the, in the Trojan costume. Cause I'm so stupid. I don't know why these things come to me. And I, and Conway just filmed me 
going up to people and being like, you got to help me. You got to help me. And they'd be like, what? Like, I'll turn it into a werewolf. And then I would just chase them down the hallway and just like stupid shit. And I'm throwing trash cans at them. There's trash spilling all over the hallway. Like, what is wrong with me? What? Who does that? That's awesome. And they'd be like, oh, my God, who's in there? Who's in the costume? Well, so we were like kind of in that era of like Tom Green. Jackass. And Jackass. Yeah. And man, I always... It, we were born a few years too late. Your personality, my personality, you yeah. know, like it, before the, in, this is what kids do now at, right. to become like YouTube know, stars and Instagram stars. And I, I know it, it was so hard it's to, you, you had to edit reel to reel. And, and I want that back. I, maybe I'm an old head. Like I said, maybe I'm at that age where I stopped changing with the times. Mm -hmm. But you, I mean, YouTube is awesome, but it also pisses me off because everyone, no one puts that work in anymore. Yeah, everyone's man. successful. I know. So yeah. And everybody, everybody thinks they're so funny. Everybody's got the best video, but you know, you were actually a finalist to be funny. Yeah. Exactly. You were funny. Exactly. We had to work hard at it. Though. That's right. It wasn't, it wasn't just like, you know, I hope I get like 500 views on this. No, it wasn't about like it's about the views now. You're just trying to like one up each other and put yeah. out the craziest content. You had to be. Don't just, forget to hit that subscribe button. Like that's such bullshit. Listen, you, in our day, you had to be just as good in first period as you were in seventh <laughs> yeah, period. You got to hold, hold up all you, day. And you couldn't bring that same week shit into seventh period that no. you dropped in first period because someone might be in the same class heard that one already exactly exactly so like another one that just popped in my head it was like it started in the hallway this is one burn filmed i don't know if he remembers but it was burn had the camera and he was walking down the hallway and then he turns and there's the men's room door there and then he opens the door you see his hand push the door open and then this he pushes the stall out and i'm in full trojan costume no. sitting there pretending i'm taking a shit and I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to take a shoot here. <laughs> and we showed it to Malone and he's like, no. He's like, I'm not going to sign the cameras out to you anymore. You can't be cursing and you can't just be filming the mascot of the school poop. And I'm like, but it's funny. It's funny, right? And he's like, it's a little, it's a little bit funny, but <laughs> I can't put this on the air. He's like Mr. Cotter. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's a little bit funny. He's like, but this is, you just spent a whole period you just wasted a whole Screwing period. He's like, this equipment's expensive. Like it wasn't. <laughs> like, but you don't give us any any direction. We just sign the cameras out and then it's so great. Like, I, I think it was that moment when I realized like nobody questions you when you have yeah, a camera. camera. And that almost became like a free period for yeah. me because I'm oh, like, what yeah. kind of nonsense are we gonna do next? You know? But then we still did the serious stuff, like when we got the assignment to do the sitcom mm -hmm. and when we had to like do the actual news, like right. we all came together pretty good. Like yeah. Brandon, Brandon Deese was there. Yep. We had such a good crew in that mm -hmm. in that class. Hank Jones. And everybody had their role and we all did stuff, you know, good. Yep. Like I remember someone someone used to be in that sound booth. Patatucci. Patatucci. And that was where he shined, you know, and like you guys were like camera guys and mm -hmm. uh, like Mark Pinchotti and me and Conway were like the on air talent. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Pinchotti had his own little like talk show. Yeah, he went hard, man. Yeah. He really got immersed in, in the culture. He did. He did. <laughs> but yeah, he was a good guy. There's a lot of people that I remember, but have like gone out of my head. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. but when I think about them, they come back immediately. But I haven't thought about them in years. That's know? that's how this show is. It, yeah. The, the funny thing is, is as people tell stories and I'm constantly in like, wow, or yeah, yeah. Or like, oh, wow. Because when I start hearing some names, even though I'm very nostalgic and, and I, I feel like I kind of 
uh, talk to or make myself familiar with a lot of people that I used to know. There's still sometimes you bring up names and, and I go, wow, I haven't thought about that person or, right, or right. I didn't know that about that. It's like, wow, such a throwback. You yeah, know, it's I know. And like, honestly, like we talked about it when we were texting back and forth. I still think those were some of the best days of my life. Honestly, like I'm not one of those guys who's stuck in high school and mm -hmm. like, oh, man. But uh, I had so much fun. Like, like you don't realize how how much freedom and, and how innocent you are until after it's done. You know what I mean? Shit like, got real. Yeah. Then you grow up and like Bills. no one tells you what a grown up is is going to be like. But just to like the our only responsibility was to wake up and go to school. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And we made school fun. Like I tried to, you know, like I know there's people who, who hated high school and it was a miserable experience yeah. for them. But like for me, like I tried to make the best of it and I had I had fun. I did make the best of it. Uh, all right. It's going to sound lame, right? But <laughs> because like I feel like I I can't quite capture that again to where like I feel like I made the most out of every day there. Mm. And as an adult, I feel like I don't make the most of every day anymore. And I try to get back that spark back of like, man, what was it? What was my mentality like where I did live? each day in the moment to the fullest. Like I never projected about the future, worried about, I just lived each day as it came yeah. in the moment. And I can't get back to that, dude. You know what I mean? Like life gets complicated you know when you grow up. You know why? Why? You know too much. I know too much. You God know, damn it. You know that in reality, yep. I think it was, you know, and, and I think I was probably opposite. I don't think I enjoyed high school as much. Right. Um, and I didn't think I held on to anything until I started doing this podcast. And at times now, I think, yeah. I, I think I held on to things more than I, I knew I did. Yeah. But um, the idea of, uh, and this is what I think I struggle with now, just making decisions for myself in life of this really, really matters. Mm -hmm. This, this every, I feel like every decision matters so much because, you know, at this point, it's just me. I'm the only one I can count on at this point for, you know what I mean, to get by. And so every decision yeah. is like a, a hand wringing, like, oh, what should I do? And yeah. back then, I didn't know that there were real, con my consequences back then of going to, uh, of, of being in school and growing up were don't go to jail, <laughs> um, you know, don't get hooked on drugs. Yeah. That was, don't get a tattoo and, and get in right. trouble. You know what I mean? Like those right. were, that was kind of like, a, I had a very wide net yeah. of, the parameters were few and far between. Yeah. And you could just do what you wanted in between. Yes. And now it's like, right, got to keep a job because I got to pay rent, yeah. got to pay for my car, got to pay for yeah. the heat, got to got to have food, got to hate it. Got to keep up appearances like an adult in case I go out somewhere. Got to yeah. got to stay social because I don't want to stay cocooned in. You know what I mean? There's yeah. just a lot of things now. These are things I struggle with on the daily. Yes, me too. And then I haven't even talked about like doing dishes or laundry. It's right. fucking hard being grown. Jesus. I know. I hate it. I, <laughs> I hate it. I really do. But uh, but yeah, I think we, we just, you know, too much now. I and so much, yeah. it's, it's See, hard to, that's one of the things about this podcast is that yeah. like, it's a, it allows me to just get up. And what you want to do this morning? I just got my shit together and I came out to see you. Yeah. And like, that's like two a, hours to come talk. To it was a, but it's like a, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to come in. You know what I mean? Going to yeah. come and hang out. And that's kind of like, I'm trying to. That's it's funny. You bring that up because like that, that's kind of where I'm at too. Because when you texted me out of the blue, like I said, we've talked on Facebook, we played battle hits. Yep. We've sunk each other's battle hits. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we've, we've always kind of been commenting Yep. On each other. You know, like yeah. Facebook's kind of good like that because yeah. you don't ever really lose anybody. Yeah. And the generation before us didn't have that. Like we're the first ones to like 
be able to have that tool. Mm -hmm. You know, like a lot of people don't like Facebook. I'm not on it very often, right. but it is good for like you can get you. We've if you never need you. we've never really lost each other yep. in a way. All of us. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking to myself when you messaged me about this podcast. My first instinct was to make up an excuse and say no because it's hard to put yourself out there yeah. as an adult for me. And then I'm like, why am I doing this? I'm like, no, put yourself out there. Like you haven't seen Brad in a long time. What's the worst that could happen? Like just, you know, like, so even something as simple as deciding to do this was like a bigger thing than it should have been because I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Whereas before, like I wouldn't have questioned it at all. You get lost. You get like so sucked into like your life and trying to mm. maintain, like you said, mm -hmm. dishes, bills, car and shit, you know, like yes. jobs that like you don't put yourself out there as much as when you're a kid. You don't do like and I guess it's part of maturing, too, but like you don't do things on a whim anymore. You don't just like. I don't know. No, it's I, a daily struggle for, for adulthood to not beat me down, man, because I'm still I still want to like get out there, but I can't be homeless. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> They got stuff to do. I hear you. But no one ever tells you that you're still the same when you're an adult. When I was younger, I used to put adults on pedestals. I used to think they knew things about the world we didn't. Mm. Like, oh man, they're so wise. Like, you know, you trust your parents so much. You're like, they know what they're talking about. Then when you become an adult, you realize you're still just you. Like you stop aging after age 18. I feel like I matured as a kid, obviously. And I grew and then I became 18 and I've just been 18 ever since. Mm. Like, that's who I am, even though I'm 37 now. Like, mm -hmm. I'm still that 18 year old guy. I'm just an adult now. I'm not wiser. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like 18 is where you become who you're going to be, no matter how old you get. You could be 60 years old and you're still that personality, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Like that's when your personality is kind of like defined. I feel like not 18, but I feel like I'm about 24. And I feel like Same, I've been like 24. Same like that early era, like and you, you just don't. I always like to blame it on, not blame it, but like attribute it to hip hop. I feel like hip hop is such a, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, growing up with hip hop and, right. and you know, Jay-Z still raps and, and a lot of guys, Ice Cube still raps, you know right. what I mean? Like. 40 plus year old guys are yeah. still and women are still rapping and doing live performances and wearing sneakers and jeans. Yeah. And now that it, that can be formal where you can go out and, right. and clean sneakers and jeans and a, right. and a polo top and be right. and be considered looking nice. And that's I feel like that hip hop culture. You can wear a hat yeah. when you're out. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and those are things that I still like to do shit. If you see me, you know, driving down, driving around Philly, I've yeah. got my music, my windows down and my music's up. And oh, yeah, man. I, I do attribute that to hip hop culture because I, I do feel like I, it's okay to now still live for the most part. Like I'm like, I'm still very young Yeah. because uh, I feel young mentally. Well, I, I, we are still young. Yeah. Like we're older than we used to be, <laughs> but like in the, I, in the scheme of the world, we're still young. We're in our thirties. Like, you know, but sometimes I feel older. I, I saw a video, um, with Gary V. You ever follow like Gary V? He's no. a uh, Barajuk, I think is the real last name, but he's like a marketing advertising guy and he does a lot of self-help. He's got books and he's all over social media with okay. you know, clips about how to how to make your business better or how to make yourself more marketable and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, but I saw a clip yesterday where he's talking to someone about, um, you know, your parents always say, you know, well, you better figure it out. Right. You know, you got to figure it out. Right. And then it's not until you get older that you start to realize, 
Oh shit, they don't even have it yeah, figured it out. Something they what said. the fuck is figured it out? Right. They didn't know. Right. But you think they do. That's mm-hmm. kind of what my point is. And it's not until you get to be their age, like you're like, man, they don't know either, man. Like mm-hmm. this is it. Adults don't know anything. Like everyone's just trying to figure out the world. Yeah. And it's crazy. I don't know. Like I'm at the age now where like sometimes if I'm at the store or something, like people call me sir. I'm like, there's there, there's definitely no way that I'm a sir. But like in their eyes, I'm I'm that grown up now. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, you know, they have to treat me like with respect. You know what I mean? Because I'm I'm their elder. But in my head, like I'm still you guys. You know, like I never mature. I'm not mature. I'm mm-hmm. not an adult. Yep. Don't treat me as such. Yeah. Like, you know, like I don't Some, know anything. Sometimes I have to remove myself from like situations where I realize I'm the oldest guy, like in yeah. the area, and I just go, oh, 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 I'm like 12 years older than everyone. Yeah. I'm gonna, hey guys, I'm gonna head on home and go to bed. <laughs> you guys have fun for the rest of the night. Oh, it's crazy, man. So, yeah, well, this has been awesome. <laughs> I feel like I rambled too much. I oh, apologize. No, dude, this feel is feel free to edit me however you want. No, this is like <laughs> this is exactly what it is. Like I said, it every conversation's different. Yeah. Uh, when you said that, that that was such a novel concept to me. Like you said you turned up with Alea, mm-hmm. you sat and had some water with Danielle. Mm-hmm. We're sitting in a coffee house in the mountains. Yeah. You know? And that's it's, that's really cool. Each episode is standalone. But we all we all have that thing in common where we grew up, we came up together, mm-hmm. you know? When I this is a cool show. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> the other thing besides just, just being super fun and getting a chance to reconnect with people. Yeah. I really, you know, at our age now, I really hope that this is something that kids find that are mm-hmm. in high school now mm-hmm. that learn yeah. a little bit from us being honest and open. And that's true. I never considered that angle. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I, I really think, you know, some of the things that some of the things that I, I struggle with or not struggle with, but think back to where I felt like I was deficient yeah. um, socially. And that's, that's, um, you know, parties, uh, girls, um, getting into a little bit of trouble. I didn't do a lot of that stuff. And mm-hmm. so while I, I certainly don't want to, I didn't want to be, you know, go down the road of, of, you know, having problems later on. I do yeah. wish I had a little bit of that. Right. But I think that, you know, today's world still struggles. One of the things I like to think is yeah. I'm not special in my feelings. And if I think it, there's probably someone else out there that thinks it. Absolutely. And so, you know, for someone to hear, you know, my, m- the way I kind of lived in high school, but also to hear your side of it, mm-hmm. um, very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope that they, people can learn from stuff like that. Yeah. So they can make better choices or to say, oh, wow, maybe I'm kind of headed in that way. Yeah. Maybe I need to pay attention to that. But you know what's funny? If I was a kid, if I was like, you know, 18 me again and podcasts existed, because mm-hmm. again, like they didn't exist back in high school either. And I heard this podcast, my smart ass still wouldn't believe what these old heads are talking about. Mm-hmm. Like, oh no, well, that's just their experience. Not They're me. morons. You know what I mean? You don't know until you're in it. Yeah. So, I mean, that's something I still struggle with, like to look back and, and draw wisdom from something. I, I'm terrible at it, you know, like, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't believe us if I heard us and I was a kid. I'd be like, these guys are morons. But then when they were our age, they'd be like, oh, they're right. You yeah. know, like I feel it. You know, he told me so, back in the day. That's that's part of the problem. Like kids are stupid. You know, it's and you got to learn for yourself. So I yeah. said, you know, too much now, you know, too much you now, know too much. So simple back then. Mm-hmm. The key is like to take a little bit of your experience and a little bit of my experience and meet in the middle. Yeah. That's how you're, you're the perfect kid. If mm-hmm. there is such a thing, <laughs> because you know, I went to the excess, 
you feel like you didn't do enough. Mm-hmm. Balance, balance and everything, I balance guess. Balance it all. Yeah. yeah. You're I right. Don't know. So the last thing that you have to do. Okay. Oh God, what is in this bag? He's pulling out a bag, everybody. I can only imagine what's in there. Hopefully something fun. I hope you, I hope you think it's fun. <laughs> last thing that you, you hear the zippers. Do. You can hear the zippers. He's looking. <laughs> you got to sign my yearbook. Oh my God. The orange, what is it? Alumni? What's it say? Ilium. Ilium. That's what it was. Ilium 2001. Oh my God. I haven't seen that book in so long. Bright orange. Black and white. Do you remember what you wrote? No. Not at all. You did this for everybody? Did this for everyone. This is this is a really cool uh addition. Thank you. Oh my god, look at me, dude. Fresh faced as the day is long. Mm-hmm. You better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone for the times they are a changing, Bob Dylan. Thanks, mom and dad, for never giving letting me give up. Good luck, everyone. Thanks to my friends for the memories. It's a generic quote. It's like a stereotype that everybody writes, yeah. but I didn't know then how true that would be for my life. You know oh, what I mean? Wow. Because, you know, I struggled with, you know, all that stuff a few short years after this mm-hmm. because I, I didn't, I didn't change, dude. I sunk. I didn't take my own advice. It's true. But you know, that's interesting. I feel like I could have tried harder with that quote, <laughs> but no, no one, you know, cause it is, you know, you hear that one a lot, you know, when you're trying to, when you're trying to write like what you're, you feel like is going to, Embolize, yeah. Embolize. I remember struggling with this. You, yeah. I settled on something. How can you enshrine yourself with, you know, in a little square of space when you're when you're 18 yeah. or 17 at that time? Yeah. You know. You want me to sign the yearbook? Sign it. What do you want me to say? Whatever you'd like to say. Some people sign their names. Some people this write a message. Weird. It's totally up to you. This you're, is weird. I know. I immediately got transported back. Will you sign my yearbook, Jason? <laughs> These pages. Oh my god, it's so weird. The um, the coffee house here has been bumping music the whole time, so like yeah. nice little soundtrack to the it's story. Nice atmosphere in here. I don't mm-hmm. know, it's kind of empty. It's perfect. Out for our favor. There's not a lot of background chatter. Yeah, it was perfect. There. Thanks, there. man. No problem. That's it. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Cool. All right. So, like I said, it was uh, pretty shocking just to hear Jason's you know, journey through alcoholism and recovery. And um, Jason is incredibly brave to share this on the podcast. And I know that, you know, he said himself, uh, he struggled with the idea of even sharing this, this story. And uh, he's even mentioned that he wasn't even exactly sure if he wanted to even come on the podcast in the first place. Um, he said he was really glad that, that he did in the end. And I hope after, you know, hearing this interview, um, he's still glad that he did. Um, again, you know, I wasn't sure where to take this interview. Um, I listening back to it, I honestly think I could have done a better job, um, just in kind of, I don't know, rounding out the interview a little bit better. Um, after listening back to it, I kind of wish I gave Jason a chance just to talk about what's going on in his life today. Um, just as far as, you know, outside of his sobriety, um, the things that he's into, where he's working, those things. Uh, maybe that's something that in the future I can uh, link back up with Jason and maybe do a few more rounds of questions with him. In two weeks, my guest will be Kim Devaney. Kim is someone that I've known since fourth grade. And I'll be honest, I didn't know a lot about Kim 
but I've always kind of seen Kim around. Kim worked uh, at my favorite pizza place growing up, and I actually just saw Kim a few months back before we did this interview at a DMX concert. So I don't know, a little bit of cheating in that we were able to break the ice way before we did this interview. Uh, But this is a pretty interesting interview. It's a little bit different than how the other podcasts kind of played out in the past. And so, again, all the social media, we weren't friends in high school is the Instagram. WWF in high school is the Twitter. And my social media is Red Shirt Playa, P-L-A-Y-A. Get me everywhere there. And the podcast is there for you to subscribe. Thanks for the people who are commenting. I've been actually seeing the ratings and uh, the stars and a few comments that are up there. So I appreciate that. This whole podcast ranking thing, as I understand it, is totally random at times. And so if you guys, you know, have time to give it a rating and a comment. Cool. If not, thanks for listening anyway. And so that means I will see you in two weeks on a Monday morning for episode 106. Peace.